Okay. Uh, nice to see everybody and awake. Ah, you guys didn't stay up late last night? Yeah, I got home at 2 o'clock myself. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm half here, half not here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm fully here with you guys, and it's nice to see you guys here. Uh, I'm glad you're able to join us this morning to celebrate the birth. I think uh, being in this church for 30-some years, uh, it's not like the second time. We've had service on Christmas Day. I don't know if you guys remember. But I, I don't remember celebrating Christmas Day in a service. Like as, as it falls on a Sunday. I think this is only the second time in 30 years. So I, I, I'm not sure. But um, I'm glad that we're here. <clears throat> I'm glad that we're here. So um, despite, uh, you know, what others say uh, about this exact day, not being the day that the Savior was born, uh, I believe that we don't really celebrate the actual season, the actual date. Um, Christians celebrate the reason, amen, not the season. Uh, we celebrate God's goodness and mercy and faithfulness to fulfill prophecy uh, and his promise to provide a Messiah. And most of all, we celebrate because we have hope uh, and are convinced that Jesus is coming again. I hope everybody here is like that. That the Christmas is not just a commemoration of the first coming. Celebration, why? Because of the hope of the second coming. Uh, so this message that I want to share with you this morning is about that. It's about hope. Um, and, and not just hope, but the joy that comes with such a hope uh, that the Christmas season brings. Okay? So um, let me clarify what I mean by hope, because I'm going to be referring to hope throughout the, the message. So um, when I say hope, I mean Christian hope. Okay? I mean biblical hope, not worldly hope. What's the difference? Simply, the difference between a biblical hope and a worldly hope is the object of the hope. Okay? What are you hoping in? What are you hoping for? Right? It's the object of the hope. Worldly hope is fragile and unsure. Why? Because the object of the hope is fragile and unsure. If your hope is in your spouse, it's fragile and unsure. Your spouse will fail you. Your spouse will die. Okay? Some of you might be, yes! <laughs> right? It, they, they will. Uh, if you put your hope in your friends, if you put your hope in Money, if you put your hope in your job, is fragile and unsure. Therefore, your hope is small. Someone once said, it's the hope that kills you. Um, this means that the hope that the world gives is nothing but a false expectation for something great. Uh, if you think about it, the World Cup just finished. Right? Those of you who are hoping for your country to win, well, not our country, but, you know, you're picking a country to win in the World Cup. And they didn't win, but you're so hopeful. What happens when they get eliminated? <sighs> Expectations are so great because you're hoping that, oh, man, we have the best player. We, got, we better win. Right? Ronaldo is our, he got eliminated first round, I think. Right? So uh, when you put your hope on the world, it's nothing but a false expectation for something great. And the higher the expectation, the greater the disappointment, right? So the problem is that the object of worldly hope cannot carry the weight of our expectations. Our expectations are, are set. Like if we don't get it, we 
we get disappointed. And if we put our hope on something that you, we think that will you know, fulfill our expectations, it'll get crushed because our expectations are, are great. And so those who hopes in the world get crushed by the weight along with the object of their hope. So again, you hope on, in your health, you'll get crushed. You hope in a good uh, marriage, spouse, you get crushed. Or you, you crush your spouse with your expectations. It's true, right? Hope with, in good weather, good luck, <laughs> especially nowadays, right? You, know, you never know. Uh, people in B.C. are complaining, we have snow over here. Meanwhile, here in Ontario, we, we, we didn't a couple of weeks ago. Now we're the ones who are like, oh, no, it's the cold, the cold. The winter is here. So that's, that's worldly hope. That's why, that's why it's unsure and it's uncertain. Uh, Christian hope, on the other hand, is different. Why? Because the object of the hope. What's the object of the Christian hope? Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. What's the object of the hope, of the Christian hope? God, Right? 1 Peter 1.21, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Right? So God, if, if God is our hope, and the bigger the, the bigger the object of the hope, the greater the hope, then our hope must be great. Right? Is your hope great? Are you hoping for great things that God will accomplish? Uh, in your lives, in the life of this church, and ultimately when, he, when Jesus returns? I, I hope so. And that's a biblical hope, right? So we have great hope, right? And so if you have a more intimate relationship with the world, then your hope will be in the things of the world. Things that have been proven time and time again won't be able to bear the weight of your expectations and therefore can only carry a small, uncertain, fragile hope. On the other hand, if we have a, an intimate relationship with God, then our hope is in God. He's the object of our hope, and therefore our hope is secure. Why? Because the object of our hope can actually carry our expectations. He's the only one who can. So don't hope on your children. Don't hope in your family. Don't put your hope in them. Love them, yeah, for sure. But don't put your hope in them. They're going to fail. Don't put your hope in the leadership of this church. We're going to fail. Put your hope in the head of the church, right? Um, because the, he's the only one who can carry uh, sometimes seemingly impossible expectations. So this is the hope that I'm going to be referring to throughout the message. This is the hope that I want us to be reminded of and be strengthened by through this message. Um, that's just the intro, by the way. And my mom already. Okay. Uh, so this is going to be the last message of the year, and it's also going to be the last message of our Advent series on typology. So remember, all throughout Advent, we've been taking up types of Christ, right? Uh, first, we took up uh, the prototype, Adam. Then we took up the uh, priest, Melchizedek. We took up the prophet, Jonah. And last, la last night, we took up King. All those are types of Christ, and all those are offices of Christ as well, that Christ fulfilled, right, when he, when, he, when he came into this world. So now what does Christian hope have to do with our main series of typology, right? 
all of the sermons, again, that we heard in typology, if you've been following along, followed some biblical principles when it comes to determining what a type is. You guys remember what that is? Right? There's biblical principles. You can't just uh, assign anything as a type. It has to be a, a certain principles applied to that type uh, to be able to uh, assign it or look at it or view it as a type. So uh, let me just do a quick review so we're all on the same page, especially for those of you who weren't here uh, for those sermons. Typology, okay, all it is is a tool used to interpret Scripture. That's all that is, typology. Um, there are other tools uh, that we use for interpreting uh, the Bible, uh, uh, New Testament references, promise and fulfillment, redemptive and historical progression, contrast, analogies, and typology. Okay? So these are all the tools that we need. They're important tools to determine the intended meaning of biblical verses. So when using typology, we also need to consider the other tools. We can't just say, I'm going to use typology, and I'm not going to look at anything else. Your, your uh, interpretation will be uh, inaccurate if you do that. So you have to use everything else along with typology to come up with an accurate interpretation. Now, uh, if you can still remember to determine something as a type, there are three categories that must be true for that something, right? First, types resemble antitypes. Remember this? Types have to resemble the antitype. Antitype is not the opposite of the type. Antitype is the finished product of what the type represents. Okay? That's the first one. Uh, and all the sermons that we've heard on the types of Christ bear some resemblance to the antitype, to the Christ. But they are not perfect. They are not the Christ. Right? Second, Types must correspond with a New Testament reference. The New Testament has to be talking about this type in order for us to consider that type a type. <laughs> Whether it's a type of Christ or a type of something else. Okay? But the New Testament has to say something about it. If the New Testament is silent about it, it's an analogy. Okay? Third, types point forward to the antitype. It has to be prophetic. Okay? Types must be prophetic. It not only shows, observed similarities to that anti-type, it has to point to it, to the future. Okay? So far, again, we've heard four types. This morning, I'm going to share with you another one. Okay? The last four times that we heard, by the way, were all from the Old Testament. The type that we're going to study today is present is right now it's not from the old testament so for this we're going to use the magic of technology to be able to see this type right, magic we're going to use the magic of the technology to be able to see this type so this is what we're going to do and this will work even for those at home okay even if you're home wherever you are this is going to work so let's do this let's uh, this is the only time i'm going to ask you to do this Pull out your phones. Okay. This is the only time we're going to do this in church. Those of you at home, okay, we're never going to ask you to do this. <laughs> Pull out your phones. There's an app in there where you can see the last type that I'm talking about. Okay. You don't have to install anything. You don't have to install anything. You just pull out your phones. Okay. When, when I tell you to open the app, everybody should have it. 
you open the app and we'll see the type that I'm talking about. All right? Okay. Everybody's phones up? Okay. After, you know, this is no time to turn off your ringers too, by the way. So if you, if your ringers are on, turn it off. So what you're going to do with those phones, okay, is you're going to turn on your camera app. Your camera app. Everybody has a camera app. Everybody's phone's got cameras. Okay? Now switch the camera to selfie mode. You'll see the type. <laughs> selfie. Now don't point your camera to your neighbor and say, he's the type. They're the type. <laughs> Who do you see in that selfie mode? <laughs> Who do you see? Somebody as half asleep? Somebody... <laughs> Somebody, uh, uh, by the way, camera adds 10 pounds, so if you see your face <laughs> maybe I ate too much last night or whatever. <laughs> so that's the next type we're going to be talking about. The next type of Christ we're going to be talking about is the person you're looking at on your phone right now. That's the next type of person we're going to be talking about. The person you're looking at on your phone right now. That's the next type of Christ that I want us to study or take a look at this morning. Let me clarify that a little bit more. When you look at the person on your phone, for that to be a type of Christ, right? First of all, you got to be Christian. Right? If you're not a Christian, what you're looking at is just you. <laughs> not a type of Christ. Yet, okay. but for those who profess to be Christians, you're a type of Christ. Jesus is our anti-type. What about those who are not Christians and you're looking at your phone, checking, up, checking your makeup, checking your whatever? You're still a type of something. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but your anti-type is not yet Christ. Okay? You're pointing to something forward in the future, but it's not Christ. Now, question is, does this way of looking at types correspond with the categories of what it means to be a type? Is it biblical, what I'm trying to show you? Um, let's find out. Okay? Let's find out. First category that a type should fit, right? First category that this type should fit is that it should have some resemblance to the anti-type. Some kind of resemblance to the anti-type. Now, none of us obviously look like Jesus <laughs> as far as physical resemblance goes, right? Now, for Christians, to bear resemblance, it means to be an example of or a pointer to something else. In this case, Christians should be a pointer to Christ, Right? Now, what does the Bible say about that? Romans 8, 28 to 30. Can we read that? Can you guys read that? 8, 28 to 30. This is my favorite verse. Those of you who are in, <laughs> it's my life verse. Romans 8, 28. For, and we know, there you go, read it. Twenty-nine. Uh, 
30. Okay. So Paul says that those whom God foreknew, God also predestined. Okay. Keep those two words in mind, by the way. We're going to go back to those later on. Well, those who God foreknew, God predestined. Predestined for what? Romans 8 says, to be conformed to the image of his son. Who is God's son? The Lord Jesus Christ. To be conformed means to be like or to be similar in form or type. The wording on this verse literally reads to be continually conformed to the image of Christ. If you read it, okay, if you read it in the Greek, the, 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 the tense that it uses is uh, present future. <laughs> it's like presently but futuristically as well. So it keeps going. To be conformed to the image of Christ is not an overnight thing. It doesn't happen overnight. It's something that happens in a, as a process. It's a continuous process, right? It goes on until a person dies. So that person that you saw on your selfie cam, if you're a professing Christian, that person is the type of Christ. Just because you're a professing Christian, right? This means that if you're a professing Christian, you're a pointer to the real thing. As Christians, as followers of Christ, the person you saw on the, on the selfie cam should be a pointer to the real thing. And the real thing is Jesus himself. Now, what does that mean? It means that those of us who are professing to be types of Christ or Christians should be living lives that resemble the life of Christ. And the key word is should. We should be living lives that resemble the life of Christ. But here's the problem. I know the person that I'm staring at on my selfie cam. I know that person well. And you should too, right? You all know that person well. When you look at that person, you can't say, who is that? That's not. You know that person well. The problem is, since you know that person well, you know that person is far from <laughs> resembling Christ. It's far from being a type of Christ. So now how could that person be a type of Christ? And this is why this whole message is about hope. I'm not here to guilt trip you because you're, you know, you, you stayed up last night or you got drunk last night or whatever. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to give you guys hope. Okay? So how could that person that I see on the selfie cam be a type of Christ? Second biblical category, to be considered a type. Um, they must be in accord with or in tune with their New Testament anti-type. So what is it about us that we can say, yes, I'm a type? Even though uh, I'm looking, I know myself, I know what I did last night. I know what I did in the past 46 years of my life. How can I still be a type? What, what similarities do I have with the Lord Jesus Christ? Looking our, again, looking at our lives or our faces on the selfie cam, there seems to be nothing, right? But 
if we are to look at ourselves from God's perspective, there's at least one thing. What do you think that thing is? What is it that we share with Christ perfectly? Purpose. God brought us into this world for a purpose. Right? We were born into this world to serve God's purpose as a link and a part of redemptive history, similar to Jesus. Jesus was brought into this world for a purpose. Right? Now, what's the difference between us and Jesus? Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew what he had to do, and he did it. We don't. <laughs> we do have a purpose, but not like Jesus. We don't know. Right? We don't know fully what we need to do. We don't know fully who we are. Because when we look at the selfie, it looks like no way. How would, God, how would that be a type of Christ? No way. Right? We're not the real thing. We're just a type. So now, where's the hope in that? Check out 1 Corinthians 13 in, in our uh, scripture uh, reading. 9 to 12. It says... For we know, yeah, you guys read it. For we know. Why is Paul saying there? First of all, this is part of that popular chapter in 1 Corinthians about love. Okay. So ultimately, Paul, what Paul is saying here, yeah, we don't love perfectly right now. Right? What Paul is saying here is he's outlining for us that, that our knowledge of ourselves is still incomplete. It's not full yet. It's partial. But the Christian's hope is that one day a perfect knowledge of ourselves will come. The good news is that even though we don't know that yet, we're still partial. God knows it already. That's the good news. That God knows who you're going to be because he's the one who's going to get you to that point. Amen? God knows and sees that perfect version of us. That's why Paul says at the end of verse 12, Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even what? As I have been fully known. God knows who you really are. Can't hide from him. The, the bad part about that is if you're in here trying to, you know, get brownie points with God, he knows. The rest of the year, you're not here. And then on Christmas Day, I'm here, God. God knows. <laughs> And for those of us who are looking at the selfie, we're like, ah, oh, man, how can I be a type? I can't. Good news. God knows. God knows you fully. He already knows what we will become when the time is right. Right? That's why I envy 
Uh, whenever I go to a funeral, I envy the person that we're celebrating in the funeral. Because they're perfect already. We might not see them as perfect, but they are. No more problems. They can't sin anymore. If they're Christian, okay, they can't sin anymore. They're not going to wake up in the morning and have aches and pains. They're perfect already. And that's where God's trying to get us to. Right? Uh, you know, he'll get you there when you die or when Christ returns. That's why uh, we're, we're, we should be excited for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, right? Romans 8 says that, right? Even though we groan, we, we, we celebrate because why? There's a glory that will be revealed to us on that day. What's the glory? God will reveal who are the sons and daughters of God. That's what we're all waiting for. Romans 8.29 For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. Remember the key words. Foreknew and predestined. How can a person like me, that person that I see on the selfie cam, how can that person be a type of Christ? Because God has purposed for that person and that purpose is to become a pointer to Christ as the antitype. Even though uh, that person is still far from being conformed, one day we will, right? It is based on the faithfulness of God to get that person there, to get us there, to who we are supposed to be as sons and daughters of God, uh, conformed to the image of Jesus. Romans 8.30, those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, glorified. A lot of people, they don't like that word predestined. Yeah, right? Predestination. The doctrine of predestination. People get that confused with the doctrine of election. That's different. Okay. The doctrine of predestination says that your end, where, where you're going to end up, is set. That's, that's what that means. Right? Where you're going to end up is set. For Christians, where we're going to end up is set. That's why we have great hope. That's why it says there that at the end, that God whom he called, he justified whom he justified, he glorified. We're going to be glorified in the, in the end. That's why we have this such great hope. Paul is encouraging us. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 12, he's encouraging us that even though right now, we see in part, we see ourselves in a mirror or selfie cam dimly. God sees us perfectly. How? Because Romans 9 says that he foreknew us. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. It could take years for you. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ when I was 8, 9. I can't even remember. I was baptized 10. I can't even remember. In fact, when they hired me as a pastor, they didn't even ask me if I was baptized yet. They just hired me. Okay, you're good. You, you do it. You pastor. But yeah, I was baptized like 10, almost drowned too because it was in a pool in the Philippines. Can't remember. But when I became a Christian, that's not the day that I became a Christian, by the way. But when I became a Christian, I was in my 20s, mid-20s. So God has a timeline for all of us. And he'll get us there. Might take longer for some, 
shorter for others, but he will get us there in the, in the end because he's predestined us for that. This is what Paul means in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 12 when he says that even though we can't see ourselves fully, we have been fully known all along. Amen? So far, uh, biblically, Christians can, can be considered as a type because of Christ, because of uh, we bear resemblance to the anti-type in that God has a purpose for us in redemptive history. Not the same purpose as Jesus, but we do have a purpose nonetheless. So that's a separate sermon. That's not what this sermon is about. What is my purpose? Read Romans 12. <laughs> okay? You want to know what your purpose is? Read Romans 12. Find out what God's perfect will is for you. But that's not what this sermon is about. Right, this sermon is about giving you hope, right? Remember that person on the, on the selfie cam? Can't be a type. Yes, you can. God has a purpose. He didn't call you just to call you. He called you so that you will be justified. He called you so that you can be sanctified. He called you so that ultimately we all be, those of us who are Christians, will be glorified. So God has a purpose. Um, this brings us to the third category. Uh, to be considered a type. Christians serve as pointers to the anti-type. So a type predicts something that is future. This is what Paul means to be predestined. It means that the destiny or the destination of a Christian is set. There's no changing it because God is faithful to get us there. This means that for the Christian, no amount of trials, no amount of tribulations, pain, suffering, or hurt will ever crush our hope. Why? Because our hope is set. Set on who? Faithful God who came through with his promise 2,000 years ago to send a Savior who will bear our burdens and our sins. And if you believe in that God, one day you will be with him for eternity. That's our destiny. We are predestined for that, those of us who believe. What about those who don't? Are you hopeless? Those of us who looked at the selfie cam and said, this person is not even a Christian. And you know, because you know yourself. What about that person? Is that person still have hope? Good news for you this morning is that you do. Um, even those of you who have yet to know Christ, you still have Hope. What did we, what did we uh, learn last night? Christ came for those who are lost by grace, even though you don't deserve it. Yeah, you're looking at some of us looking at our selfies. I don't deserve. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be in Canada. I don't deserve to. I don't deserve to be happy. Some of us are looking at ourselves, but there's still hope. Christ came for you. Amen. And for those of us who are struggling believers in here, looking at ourselves and be like, oh man, another year, and I'm still a CNE Christian. You know, CNE Christian, Christmas and Easter Christian. I just come to church twice a year. But I, I still consider myself a Christian. But I still come to church twice a year. Maybe God has a different purpose for you. Maybe in your late, you know, in your late ages, that's when you're kind of going to get it. But I believe that the hope that we have as Christians 
is that God will be faithful to his word, that whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. I believe in that. So if you're a struggling believer in here, there is hope for you. So the message of Christmas is that even though God's perfect creation was broken by sin, God never relented in working out his redemptive plan of salvation. Because of his great love, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, while we were yet sinners, God sent his son that first Christmas day on a rescue mission. And as we begin another year, which will be filled with another set of problems and another set of trials, let's continue to live in faith and hope and joy, knowing that God is the anchor that will continue to hold us steady until the promised return of Christ. So I know some of you are probably thinking, you know, uh, how do I know if I'm, if I'm truly that? How do I know, um, you know, what I should be hoping for? Should I be hoping for more faith or should I, should I be hoping for salvation? Should I be hoping for growth in faith? Hope for all of it. Hope as much as you want, as much as you can. Why? Because if your hope is in God, he can carry it. Amen? No matter how big your hope is, doesn't matter how big your expectations is. Like for some of us, it's hoping for uh, uh, you know our, our relatives to be saved, you know, lifelong Catholics to be saved, right? For most of us, hope, ask for it, right? Ask and you will receive. What's 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 at the foundation of even asking? Hope and faith that this God will actually. Answer, right? If it's for yourself, right? If it's for those of you, New Year's coming, right? What's the number one New Year's resolution? Weight loss. You can look at yourself in the mirror and be like, man, that down, no way. <laughs> Impossible. Look at, my, look at my face on the screen. Doesn't even fit. I got to like zoom out. <laughs> Is there hope? Is there, is there impossible, anything impossible with God? No. <laughs> yeah, you have to use an iPad, right, to, to fit. <laughs> There's nothing impossible with God. Uh, I, have, I have huge hopes for this church. We got another year coming. Pandemic is over. We got a new set of activities coming. More people are seeing us online. More people are joining our services. I have huge hope for this church. For this church to not be just predominantly Filipino, for it to be like a, like a UN of churches mixed together. Because that's where we're going to be in heaven. Might as well get used to it, right? I have you show for this church. I have you show for you. I have you show for my family, my kids. And I can put all that on God and he won't be crushed. And you won't be crushed because ultimately God will. Uh, maybe in this lifetime, maybe in the next, but he will fulfill whatever it is that he promised to do. Amen? Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance up.